0: email Dr. Jacqueline at USAGlobalTV.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's
1: USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome, or hopefully it's welcome back to USA Global TV and radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck. I'm the president founder and chief listening officer here at our network. Our show today is The Wise Ones and joining me is someone who is truly a level above, a step above someone who has taken his life and succeeded, excelled in every chapter and I'm just happy to call him my friend. Let's welcome Red O'Laughlin. Hi Red.
1: Hello Dr. Jacqueline. You you always embarrass me so much when you introduce me like that but but uh, I appreciate it tremendously. Thank you for those very kind words.
2: Thank you, Red. It's always good to see you. We've been working together now. It seems like, I don't know, a long time, but when we work together, things get done. Things they do. actually <laughs> It's amazing. And it may
1: be up against the deadline once or twice, but in reality, uh, you have a work ethic that's different than most and you know, from what I've observed, you just don't sit there and wait for something. Uh, if there's a way you can do it, it's just like you're taking over as not only the chief listening officer, but you're also the head programmer. You're running all the editorial review. I mean, you, you're doing everything that you should have a staff of people doing, but you know, you started up a business and there, there's certain things that you have to do to get it going and you got it going and you expanded, but you know, now if you're all those dollars are going out for other people, you know, then it's not quite as successful and you don't have as much time because you, so anyway, you've maximized a lot of the expertise of being able to go out just like you did with your PhD. We've talked about that in the past. You know, that was a rugged program you had to do in order to get that thing done in a timely manner. It wasn't timely, but it was still a major effort to get that done. So with USA Global TV and radio that came about, the the ability of you to adapt. Okay, I can do this. I can do. This, I can do. It. You know, just like becoming an author. You know, we became an author. You became a number one best selling author. You became an author again. You became a number one best selling author again. <laughs> and here we go. You have a series of uh, seven, I believe, uh, children's books that are currently in your brain. We have one that is literally done minus a couple of illustrations, and that's going to be. Didn't we talk about putting that out for pre-sale, pre-order here pretty soon?
2: It's available for pre-order right now over on Amazon. And our launch date is November the 26th. We could easily launch it before then. But I'm thinking just for marketing purposes with the holidays and whatnot, that it might be better to keep it until the 26th. But we're already working on the second book. And then lo and behold, today, actually this morning, I'm, I'm always checking my phone even in the middle of the night. Uh, one of our team members, Madeline Chan, I would asked her for some content for something. And now I think we have a, another book that has nothing to do with this book series. So I'll be filling you in about that. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's just, I feel like when I was in the corporate world, I was also always doing a number of things. I always had side gigs because I'm a very curious person. And I really like to learn, which is a big reason why I love doing this platform because every show I'm learning something from someone. And I just am excited about it. It's, it's what really drives me.
1: So very true. Uh, I, I can imagine with everybody you're talking to, what, 20, 25 or more shows a week?
2: 29 now.
1: Jeez. That's, <laughs> I mean, last time I think you told me it was like 25 or 26. Yeah, yeah 29 Before you know it be 129 shows a week, <laughs> regardless. Anyway, yeah, you're, you're a sponge. You absorb a lot of information. And I, I just can imagine just sitting there listening to people talk asking questions getting things clarified that might just really just go in the brain and just be completely you know discombobulated for a while okay now it's starting to line that makes a lot of sense i i can do that or i know somebody who needs to know about that and it just kind of goes from there but tell me yes. why did, why did you leave the you had two really good books business books and now you did a children's series there, there must have been a reason what rationale was it to go from a business book? to a series of children's books? Uh,
2: That's a great question, thank you. Actually, I don't have a lot of interaction with children and I don't have any children. I I have three nephews and a a great niece, but I don't see them as much because I'm spending all my time working (laughs) behind the green screen. But anyway, the reason why was a number of times on this platform, various guests or co-hosts would talk about childlike innocence. And how children are like sponges, and how children will fall and get up again, and it's not until an adult in, intervenes and and starts telling us you can't do that, or, you shouldn't do that. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm very passionate about people learning how to listen at an elevated level. To me, it seems like it's the most basic thing. If your life is not the way you think it should be how well are you listening? And what kind of relationships do you have with people? So I thought to myself as adults, we have to spend so much time undoing what we've been doing. Why not teach elevated listening skills to children so that they grow up with that? as I've mentioned to you before, and I think you share with me with all your education, I have never been in a listening class. I've taken communication courses, and they typically were about public speaking, but not about listening. So the direct answer is these books are to help children and their family, their caregivers, their uh, parents learn how to listen at an elevated level from age five on.
1: So in other words, you have a youngster who can get emotionally wrapped up in a book because they do and you have characters there, you have the dialogue, but sometimes a parent will read to a three or four year old uh, because they don't have those, those reading skills. And so the, the book is a twofold one. One primarily is concentrate on the listening ability and improving it for the, the youngster, the, the young child, but also at the same time, why not do the exact same thing and provide that level of growth uh, for the parents. Uh, that that certainly makes a lot of sense.
2: Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of it. I just put up the book cover and I also wanna share that Red is featured in this book as the Red Ibis. And we're actually gonna interview you on the show that I just put up the graphic. Uh, Let me see here. We're going to interview you on this show as well. But so why did you want to be part of this?
1: Well, I think anything that has Dr. Jacqueline in it is probably a good thing. (laughs) Um, You have been very, very, very good to me already. So uh, I joined you. Oh, I'm going to say not quite two years ago. Uh, We had a conversation. I was a guest on one of your shows. And you, I think at that point in time, I talked about, how easy it is to to be a writer how easy it is to author a book uh, something as simple as just answering a question like tell me about the first car you ever had if you structure a book as a interview and you have a question you know the answer to the question you can tell it without even thinking because you know it so well so if you put a series of these questions together then they become chapters in a book and each chapter has bullets underneath the question. So you have bullet, 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 and you're not losing your track. You just go, okay, that's what I need to cover next. And you just go on down. And you have a conversation with somebody. And when you do that, you're looking at them eye to eye. And as such, you you gauge their involvement in what you're doing. I mean, if I'm kind of back like this and listening, that's different than if I'm up here and I'm really paying attention to what you're saying. And so you get automatic feedback on the information you're putting out. But data in and of itself, just information, is not really something that sticks with a lot of people. But if you add little stories, little vignettes, little testimonials of your successes and failures as you're going through. So you may have a couple bullets, a little story, a couple, three more bullets, another story. Now you're adding that dimension in the interview. The interview is recorded just put it on a a cell phone or put it on your computer and record it. Uh, There's so many different artificial intelligence uh, programs out there free that will allow you to take the spoken word, oral recording, audio recording, and give you a manuscript typewritten. The beauty of that is because it's an interview and because you're answering a question that you know so well, the hours that typically would be devoted to editing almost disappear The yeah, other still a little editing left but not much so if i'm telling you about my first car i ever had as a 19 up it's this and that and whatever but you know one of the first things that happened to me you know three weeks after i had the car was i'm driving on the high bridge in corpus christi and my left rear tire wheel comes off i hear a clunk and all of a sudden i see this tire rolling down the other side of the bridge i'm stopped now and i Hit the gas pedal and now i'm going slowly down the bridge on three wheels and a brake drum i managed to find the tire and you know that's part of the story so you keep people engaged with the stories not just about what's going on but about the things that happen to you or happen to a client or 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 things that you have experienced, and that just adds a dimension to the book and it also makes it much easier to put everything together because when you're saying i just one two three three four five you, you have a tendency to lose people and so that makes it so much easier, and that's the way we started out with your your first book behind the green screen, and we attempted to try to do that, and you were doing the recordings and sending them out, and they would come back, and we would tweak them a little bit, and then sometimes, uh, you know, what about this, and what about that, and then we kind of come back, and and so there was a lot of extra stuff in there with that particular book. Now, the second book was a little different because you actually had interviews with other people. And so we took the recorded interview from your USA Global TV and Radio Network show and created manuscripts out of that. Now, that was a different animal because that was a one-to-one interview of you to a person in the book. However, that doesn't necessarily always translate very well when you have a whole bunch of different people, different characters, different events, different things going on. So we actually had to change that to a third person kind of story where, yeah, here's, here's what's going on. Here's what's really important. And we did the same thing. We kind of brought it along chronologically in some places. uh, And we kind of followed the yellow brick road to make sure that everybody understood, you know, this is what happened. And this is, the the growth that came out of that that we would sometimes say mere mortals couldn't couldn't achieve but we have a lot of mere mortals out there that have done amazing things without even thinking they were just a mere mortal they're just a person and they were faced with some circumstance and they just had to had to do something about it and they chose this path it worked or they chose that it didn't work that well they chose another one and we documented those things put it in the book great, great, great learning lessons of people who've had some real bad life experiences who turned them around and became fantastic, very, very successful people. Now we're in the, the context of a series of children's books that complement your listening mentor series program. Uh, why don't you tell us the audience a little bit about that? Because maybe some people here that might want to sign up and become part of your listening mentor program. Thank
2: you very much. I appreciate that. So for those of you who are not aware, in addition to running this channel and USA Global TV, LLC. I also have a second business, which is Dr. Jacqueline, LLC, where I teach people how to listen at an elevated level. I also do coaching and of course, fitness. We have a new fitness class coming out read on Sunday. It's called Get Off Your Couch and it's 30 minutes long and it's going to be things that you can do in your home to work out. So all of those things are under the Dr. Jacqueline LLC umbrella. So The Power of Listening is one of seven courses that we offer to help people learn how to listen at an elevated level, but also to listen differently. So I've tag teamed with Madeline Chan and we have six of these courses together. And the courses are all about tapping into your heart and tapping into your chakras they're about realizing that many of us are caught up in trends, the trends from the media, the trends from the fashion world, the trends of what our neighbors are doing. And we get so caught up in that we actually get lost. So these courses are available over on usaglobaltv.com under education and also under the drjacqueline.com uh, courses. So thanks for asking me about that.
1: So on your couch, exercise program, I assume you're gonna have 16 ounce curls where you can drink (laughs) along with the exercise people you're watching on TV?
2: No, definitely not, no. In fact, you and I talked about uh, having a team name of USA, what was it, Planksters?
1: You have been very, very active here recently in doing planks and a plank is essentially where you keep your toes on the ground and you, Typically, you'll put your elbows and your wrists and your where they're flat on the ground, your your forearms, and you just keep your belly off the ground in a straight, almost like a pushup in a sense, but you don't move up or down, you just keep it steady. And you can modify that by doing a straight arm where you just push out with both hands, and now you're up like in the top position for a pushup, but you just hold it there for a while. Or you can go over on one side or the other side. There's a lot of different options you can do with planks. And you started out and you go, oh, you're two minutes on this one. There's three minutes, five minutes. And you've kind of just in the last, it seems like, month, double tripled everything you were doing literally a couple weeks ago. And you do these things in combination because you leave one particular uh, configuration and you go right into another. You're not taking a break. And as such, now you're adding more and more time. Uh, So I asked you the other day, well, what is the, the world record for holding a plank? Well, the last I heard was a little over eight hours, eight hours, two minutes, something like that. And then you looked it up and yeah, sure enough, there was, there was a world record for eight hours, but it has now been surpassed. I believe it's nine hours and a couple of minutes or so. But basically you're, you're almost in a push-up. Now, whether that push-up is straight arm out or you're leaning on your elbows, uh, forearms, it's a matter of getting you the core of your body, that part around your gut, your middle, And getting strength into those muscles, into your back muscles, your your side, everything there has some level of alignment. Why don't you tell us what you're doing and what kind of success you've been seeing?
2: Thanks, Red. Uh, I am a little crazy. I've always been a little bit crazy when it comes to exercise routines, and uh, many times I would push myself to a limit or do something that other people might think you know, why doesn't she get a life similar to when you see someone doing a plank for nine hours if they're not actually going for the world record, why are they doing it? Because eventually it does start to bother your wrists or your shoulders or something. So anyway, I have done an 11 minute straight arm plank many years ago. I'm 59 and a half next month. So I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to see if I can take my planking to a different level. So my goal is 15 minutes at a straight arm plank. And I'm only going to 15 because it really does bother my wrists. I'm not crazy. I don't need to get an injury so I can come on here and say I did 15 minutes. But what I find is, what it takes mentally to be able to do that. And what I mean is I've been doing them at the gym and they have music playing. It doesn't mean that it's the kind of music that I like. It could be you know, loud music that I can't even relate to, but I just say to myself, whatever the atmosphere or the environment is inside that gym, I am going to just do this plank. I've got my phone that's timing me and that's it. And I love the feeling as I start to shake as different parts of my body start to shake and I'm aware of it. And I say to myself, okay, this is where you need to show up. What are you gonna do? And for whatever reason, I'm able to keep pushing through. When I'm finished, I actually do leg raises and I lie on my wrist so that the blood can come back to it. Uh, But it's just something that I feel like as I'm getting older, I need to keep pushing myself up to 500, jump ropes uh, without missing. If I miss, I have to start all over again. So by the time I leave the gym, I might've done, I don't know, 1500 jump ropes in between all the other stuff that I'm doing. And I love the TRX where you're um, you put your feet in them and you're suspended in the air and then you're doing uh, what are they called? See sawmills where you're going back and forth for your core and then you do pikes. So I'm just a little nuts. That's the bottom line.
1: Well, as you're listening to our show coming up immediately following this on Talking Heads, I'll be talking today about what causes fat to burn. We've been in a series now, I think this is number week number four. We talked about what is fat, you know, what causes fat to go into a fat cell, what causes fat to come out of a fat cell. You know, today's talk is going to talk about what causes fat to burn. And then next week we're going to say what stops fat from burning. And then the final week we'll talk a little bit about various diets and exercises and things like that, that that are there, but I'm going to touch on exercise today at the very end. Hopefully I do have enough time because as you look at burning fat, you do need some level of energy demand and that one is exercise, but it's just not the exercise because there's very, very, there's a lot of different components. Our bodies are very complex. And so as you start and you have a duration going into something that's, let's say you're doing jumping ropes. Well, That duration and intensity, then all of a sudden you're done and there's a rest period that's required. And required means in in capital letters required. And then you have another rest period, per se, that allows the body to kind of just recover. And then you have a, you start all over again. So let's say you were doing 200 jumping, not, let's say jumping jacks. And then you have a period of time where you're going to relax. Well, How do you know when it's the right time to relax? Well, part of that is how well does your body recover? I don't know if you're taking your pulse and looking at how fast your pulse recovery rate is from, and let's say at the top of your 500 uh, uh, jumping ropes, you have a certain pulse. Let's say it's 150. You know, in one minute, is it down down to 100? Is it under 100, 120? That pulse recovery rate is very, very important because it gives you a, a, exceptionally quick feedback on how good your body is in that particular aspect and i when i'm running whether it's sprints or long distance i always do a post recovery rate when i get done in order to get from 160 down to below 120 or whatever may happen to be and so those things are important but uh we'll talk just touch on it today and probably talk a lot more about it in in two weeks so uh, just just kind of tweaked the little system today a little bit.
2: Fantastic. And I see our guest, Doug, is backstage. We're going to bring him out. I just wanted to comment that because of this fabulous watch that I have, that I am not a paid spokesperson, but if Apple wants to pay me, I'm happy. This watch tracks your pulse. It tracks your blood oxygen level. It even does an EKG it's pretty phenomenal. And it tells you exactly in the morning, your rings are way behind where they normally should be. So today it started talking to me and I said, not now I'm working all day. So I put it back on the charger and then I will actually, as soon as we're done today, I'm going to walk, uh, probably seven miles and then go to the gym and do my thing. So Goodbye watch for right now. Okay, so let's let's welcome Doug Lawrence. Doug, we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, but Doug's been here before. Let's get him out right away, and let's welcome him. Hi, Doug.
0: Hello. My apologies, technological difficulties.
2: No problem. You're here yeah. now. We'll have to have you back another time for the full interview, but tell us what's been going on with you since we saw you last. I think it's been about a month or six weeks or so. What's
0: new? The big thing for me that that I'm dealing with, struggling with has been the the aspect of grief. So with the loss of my wife, I'm still struggling with basically just struggling with with grief and that. So um, so there's that part, and I have uh, started working on, and I can't remember the last time I was on the show if I had talked about going away, but I went away. To uh, sort of a writer's retreat of my own accord, and was was able to uh, spend some time to get started writing on my next book, which ironically is going to have a huge segment on on dealing with grief. Wow!
2: So what, you've been. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Brad.
1: Good. I was going to say, grief has a lot of different symptoms. I mean, a lot of different uh, symptoms, for lack of a better word. And you know, some people have grief, and they have sorrow, and they have fear, and they have. Everything kind of intermixed. So, what kind of symptoms are are you seeing prevalent in in the grief that you're experiencing? Oh my
0: goodness, uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm experiencing, and I haven't shared this with very many people before, but I'm actually experiencing uh, disrupted sleep patterns for a number of reasons. Number one, probably my my age and the frequent trips to the bathroom is. Is one thing, but I'm also, um, I get visited from time to time and that disrupts my sleep pattern. And it's, and it's was never something I had to contend with when, um, before my wife, when my wife was still alive. And it's now with the passing and that, it's, it's become something that I'm having to, to, to deal with and find different sorts of coping mechanisms to be able to deal with that. Um, weekends are my, nemesis because that's when we used to do a lot of things together and now we're not able to do so and so i'm having to find ways to fill my my weekends in so that they're not as um so i i'm going to use the word traumatic that's probably a bit on the strong side but that uh there are there are pieces or elements of it being a, a traumatic experience for me to have to deal with it weekend after weekend after weekend. And then with, you know, the work that I do as a mentor, I'm also helping others at much the same time. I'm helping others deal with their grief as a result of the loss of, of a
1: loved one. So it's it's a it's a bit challenging at times to juggle all the balls. Are you finding some coping mechanisms effective? Or do they run out of effectiveness and you have to change over to something else? Or do you use a combination of coping mechanisms?
0: I do a combination, um, Red. What I find is that they sometimes they end up, I I sort of exhaust their effectiveness, I guess is the best way to describe it. And they, like I've had to change up different sorts of things. If I want to get a decent night's sleep, sometimes I have to use music. Um, I have a, a, a flute music that I play um, that's, that sometimes works well. And then all of a sudden, after a period of time, it doesn't do what I had wanted it to do. And so then I'm, I'm reaching to find what other coping mechanism do I have that I can at least g- try to see and put that into practice so that it gives me some, some relief with the, the sleep patterns and that, that part of it. And you know, you one of the things that's quite interesting, and we have a number of conversations about this, but sometimes I find that people have a tendency, if they know that you've you've lost a loved one, they want to try and help as much as they can, but they don't know what to say. So then they try and stumble through what it is that they think they need to say instead of saying, and this was my advice to somebody the other the other day was, you know, if you don't know what to say, then tell me that rather than trying to muddle your way through it and perhaps saying some things that are really that don't do us any favors. And so it's to get, you know, to, to get people to understand that part of it is also important as far as a coping mechanism,
1: at least for me. Have you ever tried uh, EFT, emotional freedom techniques? I yeah. find that. When I was traveling a lot, going back and forth across a lot of time zones, the jet lag, I could use that and be fairly effective at getting back to sleep within one day, or at least close to my, my normal sleep cycle. But for me, it's a matter of the duration of the EFT more than anything else that I, I know that if I'm going to start, it's at least eight minutes, because if I do something less than that, it just doesn't quite seem to be effective. But if I do eight or 10 or 12 minutes, I, I generally find that to, to work for for me. It works but again, the level of trauma that you have is far different than me missing a couple time zones. So uh, there's there's probably a lot to be to be gained in that. But again, you don't want to do something for two hours because you don't have the two hours. I'm just using that as a ridiculous time. But but uh, I like your advice. I, I I really do. That I don't know what to say. That that to me is is brilliant.
0: It, you know, and when people start to do that they go, oh my goodness, you know, that makes it a whole lot easier on me being the person trying to comfort you and help you. If I don't have to really struggle or, or try to come up with what should I say? What should I say? Instead, mm-hmm. I just need to say, I don't know what to say. And then we can kind of go from there. I've, you know, the EFT I've done, I've done EMDR, the, the rapid eye um, process that they take you through. I've done induced after death communication. So I've gone through a number of different modalities with the counseling and that, that, that I've, I've, uh, I've gone through that I've done. And all, all of those work for a period of time. And then it seems as though, at least with me that I kind of start to slip a little bit and then I need to, I need to come back to say to a counselor and say, okay, let's do uh, EMDR some more, or, you know, let's do, let's try something else to sort of see what else we can use that's going to help help me deal with that what i do find it works really well is support groups so peer to peer counseling groups where you actually get to find out that there's other people that are experiencing the same thing that you are and together you can work through and, and deal with some of this better than kind of flying on, on flying solo doesn't work quite as well as when more than one person tackles an issue.
1: PTSD obviously is a major component of a a lot of trauma. Um, And one of the guys here in the Houston area that I know very well, he was using hypnosis and he actually demonstrated at a few uh, meetings. And that seemed to be, he had extreme success with that. But again, that's something he's been doing for 30 years or something. Uh, but the only other thing that I could think of that if I had something like that, that I would, okay, let me just go acupuncture. I mean, because there's a lot of things out there and, you know, I don't know whether that would really work for me or not, but it would certainly be an option I would think about. Have you, have you done the hypnosis or acupuncture or anything along those lines? So whole nother story, but um,
0: I've done hypnosis, hypnotherapy. And, but what I did was, it was, long story short, I was actually mentoring a hypnotherapist and they she said you you need to experience this so that you're in a better position to advise me and guide me with my business and that and kind of went back and forth for a while and you know you the first place you go to when you talk about hypnosis is you talk about the the person that comes to the big theater and puts on a show and puts half the audience to sleep and has them up on the stage barking like a dog and a whole bunch of other things and I'm thinking, I, you know, I don't want, want that to be me, and I was reassured that, that that this was very clinical in nature, I guess, for lack of a better choice of words, so we did a um, past life regression, and what an experience that was, that, that was something that um, opened my eyes to, you know, the whole aspect of your subconscious, and what when you're guided by somebody that knows what they're doing, how that can open a whole bunch of doors or experiences that you have had in past lives and and stuff like that. So, um, but to go beyond that, I, I haven't really utilized uh, hypnosis or hypnotherapy for anything other than for the past life stuff. But I will be truthfully honest is I'm a huge proponent a huge fan of past life regression and I you know I encourage some of the folks that I'm mentoring from time to time that you know if why don't you try that and just give it a whirl and see what it's like and you truly would be surprised. I've had
1: two sessions of hypnotherapy one a clinical one at the company I work for and another one where I was on stage and I was told I was barking like a dog. So uh, but in both <laughs> cases, I noticed that I was aware of what was going on, but when they said wake up, I just had an extremely difficult time connecting. Even though I'm conscious of what's there, I just had an extremely difficult time re-establishing myself in the reality, uh, and I guess that's part of the, the that hypnotic phase. But Dr. Jacqueline, we're leaving you out of this conversation, so know, I'm sure you, you probably have, is- have some. <laughs>
2: Uh, My question for Doug was going to be, uh, we have a men's show here, a show for men, by men, about men. I produce it. I'm not on it, but I'm backstage. And the men talk, you know, they're from all over the world. and, And they talk about the fact that it's very hard for men to open up about certain things and how they're feeling. And yet you're sharing some some really important things with us here have you been able to find a a group of men or someone who can actually understand how you're feeling you can reach out to this person on a regular basis and if so is it a man
0: it's actually it's actually a, a woman that i usually confide in um, I, I just, you know how you can read a person when, and you can kind of get the message that, okay, I've kind of gone too far with the story that I'm telling or the information I'm sharing. And if I go any further, it it's not going to do either one of us any good. And so I shut down. And that's been my, my normal reaction. That's my coping mechanism is when I feel or see that that's taking place, I go into lockdown or shutdown mode. And, but yet I have I have some very near and dear friends that are, that are female that I can tell anything to. And, and conversely, they can do the same sort of thing. They know if they come to me that, you know, I don't pass judgment, I listen and I hear. And if I'm asked for an opinion, I will give it. But typically I prefer to just listen and hear and let them talk their way through things. Because sometimes, you know, even with grief, that's all we really want is just please, please give me somebody that will listen and hear what I'm, t- what I'm saying and, and then we can, we can maybe go from there. But yeah, <laughs> trying to find a male that, that would listen to what you folks just went through, <laughs> not going to happen.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to ask Red a question. So Red, as a male, you're hearing what he has to say. If if he, and I'm not talking about this television show, I'm just saying in general in life, if if someone lost a spouse, a, a male, and came to you, how would they phrase it so that you would be open to having that conversation or being that sounding board for them?
1: If it's somebody I know well, it's probably, I'm not going to say easy, but easier than somebody's just an acquaintance or associate or something like that. But you know, it's a family member or a close personal friend. Um, you know, at some point in time, there there may or may not be a conversation. Hey, Red, just you know, just have some time just to listen, and just like Doug was saying here a minute ago, uh, and in your elevated uh, listening program, you know, you're not passing judgment. You just want to hear what the other person says. And that's the beauty of being able to listen because sometimes you don't need to answer. And if somebody just wants to unload, unburden themselves, that's a big deal. I mean, that's, that's some trauma just falling off in big flakes and yeah, that's, that's, I guess these are life experiences that we rarely ever have a chance to do. Cause that's, that's not the business I'm in. I rarely have, you know, problems. I mean, I've run across some people, not too long ago where they had lost a child, you know, a, a sibling. Well, I've lost three. And so I had a little bit of ability to to say, I kind of understand where you're coming from because one of mine uh, brothers was uh, lost his life uh, scuba diving in a river in Florida. And they didn't find the body for several days. Uh, and he was very young. He's in his 20s. And so there's there's things in there that, you know, what's going on? Where was he? I mean, just your, your mind's going through all sorts of things Then you kindly, okay, here's a police officer. They call and they say, this is what we found. You end up anyway. So there's some things that, yeah, I can say, I, I understand I've been there, but there's other times, I'm sorry, I have no way of knowing what you're going through, but we don't say that. And I think Doug just really nailed it when he says, maybe the best thing is to say, I just don't know what to say. I, that's one of the big takeaways I'm going to take from, from today's lesson. Well,
2: and what about? And thank you, Red and Doug. What about if you were to reach out to someone in your life, male, and say, "Listen, I I need to just unload how I'm feeling, and I'd like it to be you who listens. I don't want you to say anything, but if you could give me 20 minutes to just let me tell you how I'm feeling, it would do me a tremendous amount of good. Are Are you open to that? And if they say, I'd like to be here for you, Doug, but I can't do it right now. I can do it in an hour. I could do it tonight or I could do it tomorrow. Would that be helpful at all? You know,
0: that's a good question because my mind immediately went to I'm asking for help right now. And the longer that we delay from the ask to the actual delivery, there are some things that could conceivably happen or take place in between there that. Could be could be catastrophic, because when I when as I describe it, when I come out of my closet and I extend my hand and ask for help, it's there right now and then and there in the moment where I'm I'm seeking that because if if there's no one there that can do it, um, and I'm just going to go back into my closet and and hide there because that's my my sanctum, that's my safe place to be. So it, it, it's and the other part is that by somebody saying to me that you know I don't have the time to to talk to you right now maybe this afternoon or maybe this evening to me that's almost avoidance i don't i don't want to have to have that conversation so if i push it out to this afternoon or even to this evening maybe it'll go away and maybe you know maybe Doug won't come back to me and and start to tell me you know his long-winded stories.
2: Doug, I can appreciate that. What if you had a different perspective and their perspective was not that someone was avoiding you, but that they wanna to be totally available to you. And at the moment that you're reaching out, they're in the middle of a meeting, they're on a call and, they, and you wouldn't be getting all that they had to give in terms of listening, but by, st- giving you this special time. Hey, I'm available in an hour. That's Doug's time. That's your special time. And then you could think about it. Okay. I've got this hour that I'm going to wait. And I'm pretty excited because I know that Bill is going to give me his undivided attention.
0: I think that's great. And you know, but the, the, what typically happens is that communication never takes place and that's part of it for for me is i'm going to if you if you start to give me advice and guidance on how i can deal with trauma and grief and all that sort of stuff when i think that you've overstayed your welcome so to speak i'm going to i'm going to say okay i think we're done thank you very much but i think we're done and it's the same sort of thing taking what you've just said is that if you tell me that you're setting aside special time just for me and if, you know, is that going to be all right? Are, are you okay with waiting until then to have that conversation? Uh, I was kind of hoping we could have it now. Um, well, I want to be able to dedicate the time to you. And so, you know, kind of going through, you can play through how that conversation can take place. I, I'm, I agree with you that, you know, if if we can carve out a period of time that's going to be me time for me, that's that's a step in the right direction. Excellent.
2: Well, I would just ask, and I'm not a therapist, but I appreciate what you're sharing here. If you think of someone, uh, and it doesn't have to be a man, but I'm just taking away from the show, from the men's show, how men really need each other. And it's hard to ask a man to give you that space and not to give the solution, but to just sit there and listen without judging, without providing a solution and interrupting. So if there is someone that you can think of, maybe you could just be as honest and candid as you are being here and saying, Hey buddy, I really need you. I don't, I'm not gonna be a drain. I just need to get this off my chest and I I need it to come to, for you to be the one that I'm sharing it with. And that's a gift. Also,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you're giving a gift and them giving you their undivided attention. That's also a gift in my opinion.
0: And I can't agree more. I can't agree more. I think that that that's a win-win for everybody. So
2: what's the next step, Doug?
0: Keep on, (laughs) keep keep on moving forward, I guess, you know, one (laughs) foot in front of the other. And, um, if, you know, through our conversation today, I'm, we've been able to shed some light for some people that are finding themselves in that predicament of not knowing what to say. And the takeaway from, you know, from our conversation is then, you know, basically share that with the person you're trying to, you know, help is just share that. And if only if one person that's listening today takes that away, then today's been all worth it.
2: And thank you. I just wanna add something to that. We had our women's show yesterday, women's prerogative and the topic was honesty. And we talked about when someone passes away, people feel awkward. I mean, a typical scenario it is, you know what, I'm gonna give Doug a call but I'm not going to call him right now because I'm sure a lot of other people are calling Doug. I don't want to be a pain. He's got a lot on his plate. So then we don't call Doug Mm -hmm. or, We're going to go to the funeral, but we don't actually go because we don't know what to say. Now we have to see you. Oh, my gosh, we have to see you. What are we going to say? So people back up and they go into their little hole. But the truth is Doug wants to see them. He needs to see them. And Doug remembers who didn't call, who didn't come, and who didn't have the time. And the other person's thinking... he doesn't really care. And and actually, he probably doesn't need my friendship now anyway, because now he's going to be friends with other guys who lost their spouse. So he's got a whole new group of friends. Yeah. What
0: are your thoughts? You know, some of that is, um, yeah, some of that, some of that is actually played out already in my life where uh, the people that I would normally have turned to um, aren't there now. And so now as a result of going through some counseling and some peer-to-peer support. I have a new group of friends that um, we we are looking after each other and making sure that each other is in a good place. And when we have bad days, we know that we can pick up the, the cell phone and text and say, I'm having a bad day, I need someone to talk to. And we know that they're gonna be there because they too are experiencing something somewhat similar at any given period of time and so it's a it's a mutual support society or whatever term you want to use but it's it's definitely a way for for me to be able to deal with you know some of the grief and that that I'm struggling with on top of PTSD well
2: I can't thank you enough for for sharing what you've been sharing here today. And I want to introduce you to someone on our team. Her name is Janetta Barry, and she has something called the epiphany process. And she lost her 16-year-old daughter to suicide. And it's ever since, you know, she was suicidal herself from what she went through. And now she's been able to help people in terrorist situations, people with PTSD, people who are grieving. So if you're okay with that, I'll send an email and introduce the two of you.
0: I most definitely am, most definitely.
2: Fantastic. Well, Doug, it's just it's such an honor to meet someone who is just being so real. I, I mean, you could have come here today and said, hey, we're going to talk about uh, workers in the, <laughs> I don't know, anything. But this is what is coming up for you. And I feel honored that you shared this with me and with Red.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I, I truly appreciate the both of you for creating this opportunity for me to be able to share that, but also for being part of my journey.
2: Well, thank you. And you're welcome to come back again. And uh, by the way, you can call me. I'm here for you. So if you want to reach out to me, you can do that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: You're welcome. Let people know how they can reach you. Oh, my
0: goodness. Okay. So... Um, my website is www.talentc so the word talent letter c on the end.ca you can reach me uh, through uh, LinkedIn so just search on my name Doug Lawrence and you'll up up I will pop and then uh, you can also uh, send me an email direct at Doug.Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, at talent C, so the word talent letter c on the end.ca and I, I'll get back to you
1: as quickly as I can.
2: Okay. I'm still typing over here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I will dot, dot .ca it. is for Canada, right? Canada. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Perfect. All right, Doug. Thank you again. You're doing the good work. You're, and, and I know it's not easy. And I can't say that I understand at all. I, I lost my father. I've, I've never lost a spouse. But I, I just want you to know that I'm here for you.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: Thank you. All right. Bye for now.
0: Okay. Take, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, bye.
2: bye. Red. Wow. It's not. It's not often that you you get someone who is so genuine and just so just willing to share emotions to help other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And my emotions are starting to rise a little bit because I'm looking at the clock. <laughs>
2: oh, your, your show's coming up, yes. Uh, so tell us how we can reach out to you.
1: Uh, easiest way to reach me is through my website, redolaflin.com. R e d like the color. Olaflin. O l a u g h l i n. R e d o l a u g h l i n. Redolaflin.com. My contact information there for emails, phone numbers, etc. So. Uh, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me, and uh, I will be on here very quickly within the next few minutes uh, at another one of Dr. Jacqueline's studios, Talking Head studio, and we'll be talking about what causes fat to burn today, and that's part of our lecture on fat management.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Red and I are signing off for now. I just put Doug's website. You can reach out to him there, and remember... You're not alone you just have to reach out to someone mm-hmm. and if you don't get the feedback that you want reach out to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else because somebody will be there for you i promise and i know it's not easy to do but please don't don't live alone and in fear or just thinking nobody cares because somebody does somewhere all right thank you very much bye dog bye red bye everyone
1: bye dr Jacqueline.